Hello, a very happy Christmas Eve to you all and welcome to day 24 of the Life Spring Wire Christmas Show. Today, the last day before Christmas, you've got me as your host, James, the webmaster of whychristmas.com. If you can remember back to day one, we're in France, as that's the local country here to me in the UK. Well, we're going to head back here into the UK, where I live today, and we're going to learn how to say Happy Christmas in Scots, Welsh and Gaelic, which is a language spoken in parts of Scotland and lots of the Republic of Ireland. To start us off on our trip around the UK, here's a message from a fellow UK podcaster. Hi, this is Mark Hunter from the Tartan Podcast, recorded in Glasgow, Scotland. Very quick message for all the Lifespring listeners. Hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas and a fantastic New Year. Well, thanks, Mark, and a very happy Christmas to you and all the Tartan Podcast listeners as well. There's links to Mark's podcast over in the show notes page at lifespringbychristmas.com. As well as Mark's wonderful Glaswegian accent there, there's a dialect spoken in some parts of Scotland called Scots, and Merry Christmas in Scots is Blythe Yule. That's Blythe Yule, and I hope Mark will forgive my Scottish accent for you there. Now we're on to Welsh and Gaelic, and big apologies up front to any Welsh or Gaelic speakers because my pronunciation probably won't be great, but I'll do my best for you. So happy or merry Christmas in Welsh is Nadalek Glawen. That's Nadalek Glawen. And in Gaelic or Irish, it's Nolach Holech Oli. That's Nolach Honach Oli. Well, I think that's enough languages for today, and we're back in the English where I'm most comfortable. Two good old traditional foods over here in the UK at Christmas time are Christmas or plum pudding and mince pies, but neither of them started out how we know them today. But it started life as a medieval porridge called frumenty that was made of beef, mutton, lamb or any other meat you could get your hands on, all boiled up with raisins, currants and prunes, wines and spices, and it'd be more like a soup and was eaten as a fasting meal in preparation for Christmas. By the late 1890s, frumenty was slowly changing into a plum pudding, having been thickened with eggs, breadcrumbed, dried fruit, and given more flavour with the addition of beers and spirits. It became the traditional Christmas dessert around 1650. Over time, all the meat was removed, and by Victorian times, it's the pudding that we know today. There are many superstitions surrounding Christmas puddings. One says that the pudding should be made with 13 ingredients to represent Jesus and his disciples, and that every member of the family should take turns to stir the pudding with a wooden spoon, and you have to stir it from east to west in honour of the wise men. And the Sunday before Advent, which is also the last Sunday in the church year, is also known as Stir Up Sunday. And that's because the opening word of the collect for the day, which is the prayer for the day, in the Book of Common Prayer of 1549 says, Stir up, we beseech thee, O Lord, the wills of thy faithful people, that they, plenteously bringing forth the fruit of good works, may of thee be plenteously rewarded through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the mince pie, as the name suggests, also started life as a meat-based dish. The original mince pies that were originally filled with lamb or other meats and dried fruit were made in a large oval shape that all the family could enjoy in one go. And they had a pastry baby on the top that represented the baby Jesus sitting in the oval manger. Over time they became the smaller individual round mince pies that we know today. And you can eat them hot or cold, but I like mine warm with some ice cream. 
and a custom from the Middle Ages said that if you eat a mince pie on every day from Christmas to Twelfth Night, preferably in a different house for each pie, you'll have happiness for the next 12 months. A mince pie and a glass of brandy are also the traditional snack left out for Father Christmas or Santa when he comes to leave you your presents. If you'd like to try making either Christmas pudding or mince pies, then head on over to the recipes page in the fun section of whychristmas.com and you'll find the recipes there. Up in Scotland, New Year's Eve, which is called Hogmanay, is sometimes celebrated more than Christmas itself. The word Hogmanay comes from a kind of oat cake that was traditionally given to children on New Year's Eve. And also there's the custom of first footing, which says that the person who first comes into your house in the new year will either bring you good or bad luck. Generally strangers are thought to bring good luck, and depending on the area it might be better to have a dark haired or a fair haired person come into the house first. And down here in England it's sometimes said that a person bringing a lump of coal into the house will bring you good luck, but it does mean that you'll probably have to vacuum the carpet as well. I hope that's all got you in a very Christmassy mood, and make sure you come back tomorrow to listen to the Big Day Itself Christmas Day, where we'll be finding out about the birth of Jesus. A big thank you to Mark for sending in his message, and apologies again for my accents and pronunciations of Welsh and Gaelic. And if you'd like links to the Tartan podcast, which Mark does, please go over to lifespringbychristmas.com. Well, Christmas Eve officially starts in my house, where we sit round the radio and listen to the Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols, which is broadcast at three o'clock in the afternoon from King's College, Cambridge. Well, I'm afraid I can't leave you with that today, but here's a little something to get you in the mood. I call it a lesson in 13 carols. <laughs> 